Tell them you're glad to see their face today.
goodness of God, how great he is, and what he has done for us. We love you, Jesus. We dedicate this time to you. We are here for you, and we turn our faces to you now and worship. We proclaim your greatness, your goodness to us, your faithfulness. Even when we are faithless, you remain the same, unchanging. We worship you. I love you, Lord. Oh, your mercy never fails me. Oh, my days, I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, oh, I will sing of the goodness.
have uh, a number of things that we want to pray over today. This Friday, the Gambella Ethiopia team will be, will be heading out, and we certainly want to take opportunity this morning to pray over that team. I, I, I want to thank you, church family, for uh, all the, all the support, all the things that you brought in that, that we can carry over there. Our suitcases are completely full, and uh, that, that's a great thing. Um, the, 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 the stuff over there, God is already at work. I, I want to bring you a, a preliminary report. Last year when I was teaching the pastors there, there was a whole group of pastors on the other side of town that did not come. And they didn't come because they were members of the other tribe, the tribe that had been persecuting the other tribe. And so they didn't come last year because they didn't feel, they didn't think they were welcome to, uh, they, were, they probably felt threatened. Uh, whatever it was, there was an entire group of pastors that didn't come. Our intention and heading into Ethiopia was that we would get that group connected in. So the original plan was that as soon as we landed in Gambella a week from today, uh, Pastor Michael and I were going to head over to the other side of town, to their side of town, and we were going to spend the evening with that group of pastors in hopes that we would be able to woo them to our event and include them in the training. Well, much prayer has been going over that and the report I got yesterday was that all of those pastors have already agreed to come to the other side of town. Yeah. It's, it's, it's hard for us to imagine that kind of hatred and that kind of... Uh, the, the, the level uh, that would exist where a genocide would actually unfold. 
we're, we're so insulated and so protected in our nation, and, we're, and, and we need to be thankful for that. But we, we are talking about significant things that are already happening in that region. So that's, that's just a preliminary report on what's, what the Spirit of God is already unlocking and already accomplishing there. So last year we had about 200 pastors. We're, we're expecting 300 pastors that will be coming together for this training event. And uh, so we, we want to bathe that in prayer. In fact, we need to bathe that in prayer because uh, without the movement of God and the presence of God, we can accomplish, I can't accomplish anything. Um, uh, uh, there, the construction project is going very well. Uh, the Bajaj has been purchased. That is the, the little miniature taxi cab. Uh, so that has been purchased and we're going to be able to give that to the Nazarene pastor there who basically works for nothing. And now he will be able to be a taxi cab driver, essentially, and try to make some income for he and his family. So we're going to be able to gift that to, um, to the pastor there. And that also provides us some transportation. So things are happening. It's exciting. If you still want to participate, turning in some cash today that we could take along with us, Whatever we don't use while we're there, uh, we will leave behind so that the, the work project, the ARM facility, the Africa Relief Ministry Center can continue to be developed and built. So anything that, that you could do along those lines today would be terrific. There just can't be too much money that we could take with us. We're, our suitcases are full, so no more clothing and, and items like that. But definitely, if, you, if you're willing to support that way, uh, we'll, we'll take what we can, uh, what we have to take with us, and minister to them. So I, I want to invite the Gambella group. You know who you are. And Cindy, yes, come on down. We're just going to, let's just kneel right along here. Let's make this an altar. If anybody would like to come behind us and uh, lay hands on us and and pray over us. I'm going to invite Pastor Scott to come up, and he's going to lead us in a time of prayer. Let's just go before God now, church. Come forward. Let's bless these guys and pray for these guys as they go. You guys join me in prayer. Lord, we're grateful that you prepare our hearts that you walk alongside us mm-hmm. in times of trouble and need and when we are blessed to be able to give back in this trip, uh, this sizable trip to Africa, to Ethiopia, to Gambella. It's just that. These guys here are giving back from out of the, the blessings and the riches that you've given us. Um, as, as Pastor mentioned, we are a bit insulated and, and blessed in this country to not have some of the troubles that go on in Gambella. And Lord, I pray through these guys there um, coming up on Friday and, and for their entire time out there, that they are a blessing to the people of Gambella and Ethiopia through many different ways. But we realize, Lord, we are just vessels. We carry your spirit. 
We are infilled by your spirit, which we, we thank you for. But as Pastor mentioned, we can't do anything on our own power. We can't change people. We can't convict people. That's, that's your job. But I thank you for these guys being willing servants and willing vessels to take your spirit and, and convey to them your truth. Through every aspect of this trip, Lord, I pray that you bless it all. Um, the safety of getting there and back and travel within Ethiopia. Bless all of that. Connections um, there, communication, safety, all of that, Lord. We pray um, a huge blessing for, for these guys for that trip. Um, and for those maybe worrying back at home, give them a sense of peace. Um, and Lord, let us be a strong church family that will lift these guys up in prayer every day that they are gone. Because we realize the church is not a building. The church is the people of God across the entire world. So all they're really doing is connecting with others, a part of your church. And I pray that that is felt in a powerful, powerful way, that through services and relationship building, that your, your spirit is just so powerfully sensed there through it all. And whether there's education and, and the construction project, all of those things that are going on there, um, we pray that you are a part of and you will be glorified through. Again, keep these guys safe coming back and, and, and bless the entire, entire trip. And, and let us as a church family be blessed by when they return and share stories um, we, we've already been blessed by the, the trip from last year and the incredible stories pastors brought back that are only, um, that only happened because of you. We're witnesses. We'll be secondhand witnesses of, of what they experience and um, we are going to be grateful for that. But continue to bless these guys as they go. Bless those that are there. We know, Lord, that you have already been pre preparing the hearts and the minds of those that they're going to come in contact with. And we just pray that it's a wonderful, spirit-filled trip and that you be glorified. It's in your name we pray. Just one announcement for you guys. Um, I want to personally thank this congregation for your help already with the Zuni trip. We have a room pretty much full um, so, of stuff for our giveaway in Zuni, New Mexico. We're going to be taking teens here at the end of July out there. And uh, so announcement really is stop bringing stuff. Uh, we are at full capacity. So, But thank you guys so much for for what you've donated, and continue to keep that trip in prayer, please. Um, if I could get some teenagers, some specific teens that are going to share from, from their experience at NYI camp. I'm going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, but JT is going to give the, uh, if we could have the ushers come forward, JT is going to give the offering blessing. Uh, dear Lord, uh, thank you for this day, and uh, thank you for all the wonderful many blessings you've given us. 
Uh, we just give you back this money. Uh, take your blessings. Build your church with it. Build your kingdom with it. Do your will with it. And in Jesus' name, pray. Amen. Uh, so, we, yeah, we had a great time at NYI Teen Camp at Golden Bell, just around the corner. Um, and our theme, I'm not going to go too far into it because I don't want to step on what these guys have to say. But NYI basically is, thank you, sir. Um, teens from all across Colorado come together. Uh, we do events throughout the year, and in the summer is, is Teen Camp. And so this year, our theme was Dive In. And these guys have just some of their own experiences and things that they learned that they want to share. Okay. Um, one of the things that really stuck out to me was the first thing she said, which was, um, it, um, <laughs> look at my notes. It was, God really likes me, like, uh, rather than just loves me, like, because we hear every day that God loves you and it's, we think it's like his, his job, kind of, but when he says he really likes you, he chooses you, and he, he wants to be your friend. He wants to have a um, closer relationship than just um, being your God, I guess. So, yeah. um, good morning. My name is Benny. My name is Barrett. Um, this was actually the first year I went to camp. Uh, he's been trying to make me go for a while now and I just didn't really feel like it but I'm glad I did um we didn't talk about this during any of the services but I really noticed it um it was fellowship throughout the whole camp everybody just seemed like one big happy family which was awesome because I feel like that's how the body of Christ needs to be um I have a verse you've probably heard it but I'm going to read it anyway um, First Corinthians twelve. Oh no. Um, okay, I'm just gonna read it. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are one body, so also is Christ. For by one Spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we bond, be bond or free and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, am I not of the body? Is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body. Is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body, as it hath pleased him. And if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body. And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Nay, much more those members of the body, which seem to be more feeble, are necessary." Uh, my name is Jackson, and um, one thing that really stuck out to me was the phrase you said, it's okay not to be okay. And I feel like a lot of us say, like, oh, we're Christians, we always have to be okay, we always have to know the answers. 
but this and I felt I felt the same way going into this weekend and that phrase really hit me deep because you know a lot of times I'm like not okay and it stresses me out because you know I feel like I was supposed to always be okay but this weekend really changed my perspective saying it's okay not to be okay but it's also okay to open up about your feelings about how you feel and about what you're going through so that's one thing that really stuck out to me Hi, I'm uh, JT, and I, I was on a big family excursion, so I only got to go to half the weekend. But what was pretty cool is I showed up to the one service that I liked, which is... <laughs> so we, uh, at that service, I mean, most of us are familiar with Jonah and the whale. You know, uh, Jonah, he wanted to go, you know, do other things, but God wanted him to go to Nineveh. He decided, no, nah, I don't want to go to Nineveh, so he went on a boat. But, you know, you can't really run away from God, even if you try. It won't work. Uh, God sent Jonah a whale. And what we talked about is like in our lives, we need that whale to come into our lives sometimes. And we don't know when it's going to show up or we don't know when it's going to happen. But God will always send us the whale that we need. And we just got to take the whale and, you know, go where he wants us to go. Because that's the best path is God's path. Guys, just keep these guys in prayer. Our group. Um, got a lot of activities and things going on throughout the summer. We're praying really for just growth as a group and coming together. And we're thankful for things like NYI Teen Camp. Um, but, yeah, just that we continue to follow God's path for us individually and as a group. So thank you. McKenzie, are you ready to have kids go with you? Okay, kiddos, head on out. And I promise you, you'll want to be heading out. Because we're in the book of Song of Solomon today. I hear a few giggles. Right? <laughs> Raise your hand if you've heard a sermon out of Song of Solomon. Oh, that's, that's more than what I was expecting. I'm, raise my hand if I've preached out of Song of Solomon. Okay, so this, this is a, a first for me today. But as we are um, traveling through uh, all of Scripture, just, just trying to, to understand the various different parts of Scripture, we, we wrap up today our time in the wisdom literature by looking at the Song of Solomon. Now, the Song of Solomon is not long. It's only eight chapters. It, it's, a, it's a pretty quick read, honestly, but it's a quite interesting read and, um, and, and, and can be quite sensual, Okay. The, there, there's a couple of layers to the Song of Solomon that we need to be aware of. Song of Solomon is a dialogue that's going back and forth between a man and a woman. And, and it, 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 I'm sure that it's King Solomon, but we have no idea who he's having this dialogue with. Um, uh, we don't know which woman. I mean, when we, when we think of King Solomon, there, uh, he had how many wives? 
700 wives and 300 concubines, okay? There was a lot of women in King Solomon's lives. We don't know who he's talking to, okay? There was a lot of women in his life. But there, there is a, 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 a strong bond, a strong connection that is between them. So that's one layer. That's, that's an obvious layer, and, and, and it's the layer within which Song of Solomon was written. But then there's this other layer, and it's, and it's an allegorical layer, a, a layer that communicates our relationship with Christ. We are his bride. He is our bridegroom. And so when we approach the Song of Solomon, we need to have both layers um, functioning at the same time, awareness of both layers happening at the same time, okay? So what I've done is I've, I've asked my wife, Sarah, to sit up here with me because I'm not going to do Song of Solomon here alone. No, because <laughs> the reason is, is because this dialogue, I, I want to hear the masculine voice coming through and the feminine voice coming through when we hit these different parts. Now, it's going to be up on the screen, but you're not going to, it's not going to have the different um, voices titled. So if you want to join us, if you want to open up Scripture, we're at Song of Solomon, right at verse 1 of chapter 1. And I encourage you to do so because you will, you will see titled here the different voices that are happening. Again, there's the masculine voice, the he voice, the she voice. And then there's a third one that kind of shows up a little bit occasionally, and it's entitled Friends. So there's apparently... Um, a group of people that, that are communicating mostly to, to the, the woman um, with, with instruction, but it's mostly a dialogue between he and she. So we begin right at verse 1 of chapter 1. Sarah, if you'll read. Let him kiss me with the kisses of his mouth, for your love is more delightful than wine. Pleasing is the fragrance of your perfumes. Your name is like perfume poured out. Take me away with you. Let us hurry. Let the king bring me into his chambers. Okay, let's pause there for a moment. So we, ha we, have, uh, we have her talking about his perfumes, the, this, this fragrance that, that he's putting off. And really what we should be hearing here is, is thinking along the lines of, of, of what he is putting off. What are, what are the vibes that he is putting off? She talks about how, um, she says, no wonder the young women love you. So there's, there's these vibes that he puts off that, that, are, that are strong and are, and are wooing, okay? Um, it's pr probably the best way to describe this is his character, um, his demeanor, his personality, who he is as a person, it, that is that pleasing aroma, and, and, and it's very endearing. Um, so I have a question for you, Sarah. My curiosity as a man, why is the character the first thing that she mentions here? Why, why is that the first thing that comes up? I don't really know. Um... 
I hesitate to speak for all women, um, so I'm going to speak for myself. I would think that other women would agree, but I don't know for sure. Um, that is very attractive to me, um, your character, who you are as a, as a godly man. Okay. All right, then. I don't know. I well, don't know why. Okay. That, no, that's okay. But this is kind of important for us masculine folks to hear because we think quite differently. Our initial... Um, approach to attractiveness probably has far less to do with character and far more to do with looks. That's going to be our initial connection. We're going to notice that first. But there's this, this other thing, and, 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 I, and it's okay that, that you don't feel totally comfortable speaking for all women, but look what she says here. No wonder the young women love you. She's referring to all the women around, saying that there, there's these vibes that you put off, and, and it's attractive to all of us, okay? So right off the bat, we start to experience some distinctiveness between the male and the female, which is interesting because we're living in a world more and more and more where that distinctiveness is trying to be wiped out. But the Song of Solomon, one of the beautiful things about the Song of Solomon is it brings to us the distinctiveness of how the man thinks and how the woman thinks. So let's continue the reading. Um, the friends pipe up here and say, we rejoice and delight in you. We will praise your love more than wine. And then she picks it back up. How right they are to adore you. Dark am I yet lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem. Dark like the tents of Kadar, like the tent curtains of Solomon. Do not stare at me because I am dark, because I am darkened by the sun. My mother's sons were angry with me and made me take care of the vineyards. My own vineyard I have neglected. Tell me, you whom I love, where you graze your flock and where you rest your sheep at midday. Why should I be like a veiled woman beside the flocks of your friends? Okay, so when she talks about herself, she's now describing her physical self. She's beginning to describe her physical self, and she starts to... Uh, paint the picture for us about the color of her skin, the tone of her skin, okay? And she's reiterating something. So it, it, it's, it's, it's a bit self-deprecating, really, when you see it. But there's this shame that she feels about herself because of, of, of the darkness of her skin. But she explains why. Because she was forced to be out in the sun working hard, um, she refers to those that were making her do that, my mother's sons, which are her brothers, right? <laughs> her mother's sons, that's going to be her brothers. Her brothers were angry with her for whatever reason. We don't get any explanation for that. But because of that, they were, they were kind of abusive towards her and were forcing her to, to be out beaten down by the sun Doing, doing this work. And so because of that, she says, the effects of that are that her, her skin is, is very darkened by the sun. In fact, she asked, please don't stare at me because of that. So she's feeling uh, very, self, um, uh, very self-aware, but in, in quite a, a negative way, okay? She, she's not feeling comfortable in her own skin right now, literally. And here's what they say, 
in regards to her question, tell me, where, tell me whom you, who I love, where you graze your flock. The friends pipe up again saying, well, if you don't know most beautiful of women, so they kind of counteract her self, uh, self-deprecating self-talk there, you are most beautiful of women, okay? If you don't know, follow the tracks of the sheep and graze your young goats by the tents of the shepherds. And finally, Solomon shows up on the scene. And here's what the male voice has to say. I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Now, I'm sure that if I was trying to be nice and and kind with my words, and I said, you're like a horse, (laughs) that probably wouldn't go over very well, right? That's probably not the descriptor, but it's better than an elephant or a rhinoceros. I mean, no, a horse. But I, I want to explain something to you. When he, when he says you're like a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses, understand what, what kind of a mare is the Pharaoh going to have except the very, very, very best one in all of the country. Who's going to have the very best mare? It's going to be the Pharaoh, right? So these are strong words, strong words, okay? I liken you, my darling, to a mare among Pharaoh's chariot horses. Your cheeks are beautiful with earrings, your neck with strings of jewels. We will make you earrings of gold studded with silver. Go ahead. While the king was at his table, my perfume spread its fragrance. My lover is to me a sachet of myrrh resting between my breasts. My lover is to me a cluster of henna blossoms from the vineyards of En Gedi. Okay, so she's talking about a beautiful necklace that's adorning her and, 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 des- and, and describing her lover as, as something that, that she wears that she's very proud of, okay? How beautiful you are, my darling. Oh, how beautiful. Your eyes are doves. How handsome you are, my lover. Oh, how charming. Our, and our bed is verdant. Or, or green or, or flourishing. Okay, so she starts this chapter talking about character. And immediately he starts talking about her looks you, and her beauty and her beauty. And he's reiterating it and he's reiterating it and he's reiterating it. And finally she responds with, oh, you are handsome too, okay? I like the way you look too. But that wasn't really the most important thing to her. Men, are you listening? Okay? Because the most important thing is, 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 is character. You want to be attractive to your spouse? What does your character look like? What is the fragrance that you are putting off? What are the vibes? How are you treating her? Don't call her a horse, okay? I would encourage you with that. But what is that fragrance that that you're putting off? Is it wooing? Who are you? Because who you are is, is, is going to be far more attractive to her than really what you're looking like. In fact, who you are as a person is going to help her see the attractiveness in you. Okay, Um, 
She just uh, said, how handsome you are, my beloved. And he responds, the beams of our house are cedars, our rafters are firs. And then she continues. She comes back. I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Okay. Now, this is a little confusing because I was raised to believe that Jesus was the lily of the valley, that he was likened to the lily of the valley. Who, who else... Who else was, was taught that? Okay. That comes out of this passage, but when you look here, it's, it's misplaced. It's misidentified. This is the feminine voice speaking here, okay? Not the masculine voice. So when we're talking about that other layer, Jesus is going to be the male voice and the bride, us, are going to be the, the female voice. So it's the, v, the female voice saying here, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. Now that sounds to us, right off the bat, um, pretty extravagant. But I, I want to tell you something. This is, again, this shows up as a bit self-deprecating. Because these, these descriptions that she's saying of herself are very average. Really, these descriptions, they don't reflect an amazing flower that you would plant in your garden that, that, that you're hoping to see come out in your garden. These are more like the average flowers that show up out in the field. Now, there's still beauty to them. There's still a natural beauty to them. But understand, there's nothing extravagant about that beauty. It's very average. It's very average. Now, when you, when you have that framework, when you have that un- mentality you're, you're still catching the same vibe that's coming from her. She's, she's talking her, her beauty down still with, with this response. She says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. And so then he responds, like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. Okay, you want to refer to yourself as a lily? then I'm going to tell you that every, all the other women around you are like thorns. If you're, if you're going to self-deprecate yourself to, to the average or to, to just basic, I'm going to tell you that all the other women around you are below basic. I'm trying to help you understand how beautiful you really are. Will you find a way to see yourself the way I see you? Starting to hear that other voice where Jesus is speaking into us, his beloved, his bride. And there are times, church, where we struggle to see ourselves the way he sees us, where we struggle to see our, our innate, our inherent value. We're just average. We're just, just like your average flower out in the field. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh Uh-uh. You are beautiful to me, my beloved. Like a lily among thorns is my darling among the young women. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. 
His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Let's pause there for a moment. I want you to read that again. And, and, and church, I want you to do something. I, I want you to close your eyes, and I want you to, to envision what, what, what is... I want you to envision the picture that is being described here, okay? So I want you to just close your eyes as she reads it. Maybe read it a little slower so that they can kind of soak in the picture. But let's just read those few verses one more time. Like an apple tree among the trees of the forest is my lover among the young men. I delight to sit in his shade, and his fruit is sweet to my taste. He has taken me to the banquet hall, and his banner over me is love. Strengthen me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am faint with love. His left arm is under my head, and his right arm embraces me. Daughters of Jerusalem, I charge you by the gazelles and by the does of the field, do not arouse or awaken love until it so desires. Okay, now, oh, you can open your eyes, please, or I don't want you to fall asleep. But um, he's, she, she's describing something, and, and, it, and it's fascinating to me because it, it sets itself up against what she has said in chapter 1. Remember what she said about her experience in chapter 1. Don't stare at my skin because it's so darkened and scorched by the sun because of the hard work that I was forced to do. That was, that was her normal before, but look at what her normal is now. I delight to sit in his shade. And his fruit is sweet to my taste. There's rest, there's shade, there's protection. His banner over me is love, not harshness, right? Are you seeing, you seeing this thing that has happened to her? There was this experience, this normal that she had before, and it was harsh, and it was brutal, and... And, and it affected her, it affected her at such a level, it affected her physically as well. And now her experience is shade and rest and, and a covering of love. So, question. Um, do you find that this is something that women tend to be drawn to or desire is to have this kind of shade, this kind of covering, this kind of experience? I would say as a wife, I would definitely want to feel um, like you are um, who God wants you to be. Yeah, yeah. that that provides um, leadership for our family. Um, yeah. Okay. I think it's important f for me to feel safe emotionally. Um, yeah. Well, it's, it's just fascinating to me because she's giving a lot of words to character, and she's getting, giving a lot of words to this experience of, of the shade and of the banner over her, and, and she just has this really quick phrase, well, you're handsome too, okay? But there's, there's not... She, she doesn't break that out. Like, there's not a lot of energy given towards that, but there's all this energy given towards these other things. 
And I think as a man, I need to hear that. Um, I need to have that kind of awareness that it's far less about the physical for them as it is for their experience, for, um, for the vibes that, that, that we're putting off, the character, the integrity, and it's character integrity that, that creates an atmosphere of trust. And an atmosphere of trust, a woman is going to feel shade, is going to feel protected, is going to feel safe, is going to feel um, not beaten down by the experience. I don't know. Women ag- agree or disagree? What, what do you think? Okay. All right. So we're not talking crazy up here. This is, this is coming straight out of Scripture here, folks. But even though it's coming straight out of Scripture, you're finding this is, this is real. This is real to us still. It, it's, it's still our experience. The distinctiveness between the man and the woman. Guys, we have a tendency to see through blue. Ladies have a tendency to, to see through red or pink. That's our, those are the distinctiveness of our lenses. And it's, and it's wonderful, too, because, it, you know, we're, we're, we, we should be attracted to the opposite. That should be very attractive to us. And it's the thing that, that woos us. But, you know, the truth is, as well, after a time, it can be the thing that starts driving us crazy, right? Because... Our default mode, I'm, gonna, I'm pointing to myself now, my default mode is you need to be thinking like me. You need to have blue lenses. But that's not the lenses that are God-given. Um, the, you know, Ephesians chapter 5 talks about this as well. Ephesians chapter 5 uh, speaks to uh, the, the marriage covenant, and, and Paul has strong words um, for, for the husband and then strong words for the wife. He's, and he's distinguishing them back and forth. But at the very end, it says, husbands, love your wives. Wives, respect your husbands. And um, when, you, when you dig into that, you, you see that Paul understands something fundamentally that is distinct about the way a man thinks and the way a woman thinks. See, the instruction to us is to love our wives. He doesn't instruct the wives to love their husbands. The reason that he doesn't instruct the wives to love the husbands is because they already do that. That's their innate, normal way of of viewing. That's the pink lens. It's already in place. They naturally do that. He also doesn't instruct me to respect my wife. Why? Because that's already a part of who I am. That's a built-in thing in in, in the man, understanding how uh, how, how respect works. But my instruction is important. I have to step outside of my blue lens and, and choose to and learn how to love, how to show love. And the instruction to her is distinct. She has to step out of her pinkness and learn how to and walk in what respect looks like. And, and when we use that word respect, we're not talking about I'm better than her. It's, it's not that. It's, it's, it's my innate language 
and it's her innate language, and it's, it's, it's this give and take that happens. And folks, when, when we are able to step outside of our colors, out of our natural color zone, and, and try to cross over into the other and speak their language, man, there's this healthy, beautiful, passionate give and take that, that can happen. If you are functioning in something that looks a lot the opposite of that, where you, you're functioning in something that looks more like what would be called a crazy cycle, it's probably because you're not doing what you need to do to step outside of your color lenses and try to communicate in the other. That comes straight out of Ephesians chapter 5. And in the middle of that chapter, he brings Jesus right into it because he says, he says that the relationship between the husband and woman should be so unified that it should reflect and this is the great mystery. This is the great prof- profound mystery is how he puts it. The profound mystery is that he's not talking about husband and wife as much as he's talking about Jesus and his bride. There's a give and take. There's a, a relationship, communication that we're to have with our beloved It's not just a Sunday morning singing a few praise songs to him. Oh, you're a good, good father. It's who you are. It's who you are. But is is this a running dialogue for you? Is this a reflection of the truth about who you are? Because he is passionate for you. He is passionate for you. Will you continue the reading? I think we're at verse 8 here. Listen, my lover. Look, here he comes, leaping across the mountains, bounding over the hills. My, my lover is like a gazelle or a young stag. Not so young anymore, by the way. But go ahead. Look, there he stands behind our wall, gazing through the windows, peering through the lattice. My lover spoke and said to me, Arise, my darling. My beautiful one, and come with me. See, the winter is past. The rains are over and gone. Flowers appear on the earth. The season of singing has come. The cooing of doves is heard in our land. The fig tree forms its early fruit. The blossoming vines spread their fragrance. Arise, come, my darling, my beautiful one. Come with me. Okay, so, so we're, we're, we're catching a drift here. There, 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 there is a newness, there's a, a, an, a, a springness to, to this relationship. So um, they're probably not married yet. They're probably betrothed. But, but there's, a, uh, there, there's sort of a newness to, to, to her feelings, to, to her uh, I, I concept of, of their relationship right now. And so he responds, My dove in the clefts of the rock and the hiding places on the mountainside, show me your face. Let me hear your voice, for your voice is sweet and your face is lovely. He says something interesting here. Catch for us the foxes, the little foxes that ruin the vineyards, our vineyards that are in bloom. Okay. Now, there's some confusion here. Because um, as, as I'm doing some digging, I, I realize that, um, that this, 
this may be misidentified. This may be the female voice that was actually saying, catch for us the foxes. But regardless of who is saying this, what's really interesting is that the root word inside of this is plural, okay? Which means that there is a bothness to this catch the little foxes instruction. So what are the little foxes? What are the little foxes that, that come into the vineyard and try to steal away the fruit? Now think about your relationships. Think about, for those of you that are married, think about the relationship you have with your spouse. For those of you that are single, think about former relationships that you've had, okay? For those of you that are looking forward to relationships, I'm not pointing over here or anything. Think about, think about the possible little foxes. But let's think about this. This is important. What are the little foxes that can steal away the fruit of a relationship? Anger. Say that again. Annoyances. Jealousy. Time or lack of time spent. Yeah. Adultery. That might be a big fox, but we'll call it a little fox. Yeah. What? Mistrust. Arrogance. Deceit. Selfishness. I mean, these are prime examples, right? And there's so many more. I would encourage you, as I'm encouraging myself, to do some self-reflection Are there some foxes that I'm responsible for? Are there some little foxes that I'm responsible for? Because if there are, I should be responsible to get rid of them, to remove them from this vineyard. Are there some little foxes that you you are responsible for? I know you didn't come in this room today thinking about this, so I'm, I'm, I'm putting this question, this little homework into your lap, encouraging you to pray about that and to soul search on it. Because the little foxes won't do huge damage right off the bat, but they'll do significant damage over time as they're stealing away one grape at a time, right? It's just interesting that he refers to the little foxes, the little things, the things that can... that. It's little things that, that we'll just, it's no big deal. Oh, they're cute. No big deal. They're, they're, they're not really threatening, but what, what they're doing is they're just plucking away and stealing away and grabbing at this and grabbing at that. And, and, and you know what happens? You wake up one day and the vineyard is destroyed because the little foxes weren't handled. Church. Handle the little foxes. I implore you, just as Solomon is imploring both of them, catch the little foxes that ruin the vineyards. 
our vineyards that are in bloom. And then she closes out chapter 2 saying this. My lover is mine and I am his. He browses among the lilies until the day breaks and the shadows flee. Turn my lover and be like a gazelle or like a young stag on the rugged hills. I am on my I am my beloved's and he is mine. I wear that phrase on my wedding ring in Hebrew. And not just it doesn't just remind me of our vineyard but it reminds me of this vineyard. And the responsibility that I have to handle the little foxes that can steal away the vineyard that is growing between me and my beloved. For I am his, and he is mine. Think about the sacrifice that he did to allow this vineyard to even exist. What a gift. But it can't be one that I neglect. maintaining this vineyard is crucial. Maintaining this vineyard is crucial. It's the beauty of this book. The beauty of this book continues. We'll stop the reading here after two chapters. I think it's enough, and we don't need to get into, we'll just let the other stuff happen for you in your own personal time, okay? I'll leave it at that. But, Song of Solomon is a, is, a, is a beautiful piece of art that has been handed to us that when we, when we, when we soak in it, when we take time to soak in it, we, we, are, we are gifted with tools, with reminders of this and this. Yeah, he's a good, good father. But have you really thought about the passion that he has for you? Have you felt and experienced the passion that he has for you? Have you allowed yourself to hear the words from him today about how he views you? His idea of you his viewpoint of you, how he sees you, how he sees us. Because he is enamored. He is enamored with us, with a fiery, passionate love, and it's relentless. It's relentless. With your eyes closed, I, I'm, I just... I, I just want you to have a, a couple of moments where maybe we could experience the outpouring of the love of Jesus. 
Jesus, we have worshiped you today. We have honored you with our lips. Our attention, our focus has been on you. And as we have opened up your word, which is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path, we, we have experienced um, tools for our relationships here, the horizontal relationships. Yeah, that's great. But we have been reminded today of the passion that you have for us, your bride, your church, your people called by your name. So we just allow your love to wash over us and renew us and bring us shade from a world that wants to beat us down and harden us and and affect us inside and out and infect us inside and out. But your banner over us is love. And we belong to you. I am my beloved's. He is mine. We are your people, your children, your bride. You are the lover of our soul. May our lives truly reflect the profoundness, the profundity of that. And may we experience the the peace and the joy and the comfort that this young woman who's describing the shade and the banner and the the fruit, um, may that be our reality, our experience our normal, our new normal because of our communion, our communion with you. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, thank you, Sarah, for helping me out today. We give her a hand. I know this was... Not the most comfortable thing. Uh, You can have a seat because I want to close out talking to the men. In fact, um, I'd like to do this. Uh, if, If you consider yourself to be a man who wants God in his life, I would you just would you just join me right here? You know who you are. If you'll just come up, you just want, you know, you can stand, you can stand, don't, don't, don't have to mess your knees up, you can just stand with me, I, as I just, I want to have a conversation with you. On this Father's Day, and I know not all of us in here are fathers, that's okay, I'm going to talk to the men. Men of God, you are needed. Men of God, you are needed. Your families need you. 
Your spouses need you. Your children need you. Your parents need you. Your neighbors need you. Your coworkers need you. Your community needs you. Your church needs you. Your county needs you. Your state needs you. Your nation needs you. This world needs you. Men of God, you are needed. If there was ever a day in history where the men of God needed to be the men of God, it is now. And I'm calling it out that you would be the men that God has created you to be. No matter how young or how old you are or how young or how old you feel, okay, that you would be, that you would choose to be, and, and not just in this moment, but that this would be like an Ebenezer moment. And I'm not talking about Ebenezer Scrooge, but I'm talking about raising an Ebenezer. This is what Israel would do when they had, when they had a, an encounter that they needed to reflect on. They would, they would set a pile of rocks up on top of each other, and that was raising an Ebenezer, raising up a monument. A, 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 it's like slamming a flag into this place. And this, this happened here, and, and, and it's forward from this place. There is no returning to. Men of God, you, you are needed. And it's inside of your sphere that you are most needed. And you've heard today how important integrity is and, and character is and, and the vibes that you're putting out. Because it's communicating to those that are around you. You may be the only Jesus that some of the people in your circle will ever know. Will they know Jesus because of you? Only you can answer that. And it's really not with your lips as much as it is with the way you walk and the way you interact. Men of God, you are needed. I want to say a prayer over you. Jesus, I, I honor these men who, who just by standing here are, are making a statement, a declaration that they want to be who you have created them to be and who you are creating them to be even still now. And we, we are all a process. This is this kind of moment, this kind of statement is, is, is not a, a, a finishing piece by any means. It, it's, but, but we want to we raise up an Ebenezer in this moment. That from this moment on, we have a determination in our minds to be who you have and are creating us to be. Because the people that are around us need that. Our spouses, our families, the church, the kingdom, our community, our world is starving for godly men to be godly men. What an amazing moment and what an amazing group this is right here.
use us. We, we, are, we are mud in your hands, workable clay in your hands. Shape us and use us however it is that you want to use us in, in whatever Whatever our normal looks like, whatever our workplaces look like, our, our home environments, I, I, I pray that there will be transformation in our environments that happen simply because we've just chosen this as our reality, as our normal. Thank you for those in this group that have been doing that, and I thank you for those in this group that are choosing now in this moment in their hearts and in their minds to start doing that. We are your men called by your name. We humble ourselves today. We stand firm in this today and are strong in this today, but it is all because of your grace and your mercy and your relentless, passionate love for us. And it's in the mighty, powerful name of Jesus we prayed. And guys, we all said... Ladies, is that okay? Are you happy about that? Yeah. Will you stand with us as well? I want to say a blessing over all of us as we head out. And ladies, I encourage you, spoil your men today. I hope that's going to happen to me. (laughs) May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine on you, be gracious to you. May he fill you with his peace. Have an amazing week. I would say we'll see you next Sunday, but I'll be somewhere in Ethiopia, all right? But I'll I'll see you soon. Please come back next week anyways. Have a great one.